We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest is jumped over the scores table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. It is Thursday, November 21st, and Alex, we finally... Got a glimpse of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard together last night. Uh, one of the better games of the NBA season. I, I saw some people say it was the best game of the year so far. Um, I don't know if I'm quite ready to, to say that. I think Lakers-Mavs um, from like a week and a half ago, sure. the, the Luka yeah. LeBron showdown is up there. Um, but this was, yeah, this is certainly probably in the top three or five. Uh, went into overtime. Kawhi had a, a great look from three um, to, to win it in, in regulation. Barely rimmed that out. Uh, kind of a quiet night for him, weirdly enough. Um, 17 points on 7 of 20 shooting. Uncharacteristically inefficient, but of course, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, including uh, the game ceiling block on on, on a 3-point attempt by Boston in the corner. This was a game that I thought 
Boston probably should have won. Um, I know, I know this, this was one that kind of went past midnight, even in the central time zone. And, and some people didn't catch the end of it, but um, a lot of poor execution from the Celtics. They, they went into like the Marcus smart raid offense late in the game like he seriously shot the ball probably without double checking it it felt like he shot the ball like eight out of ten possessions at one point he and had 20 shots he took 20 11, shots been three he was pointers. one of 11 from three he was really really bad late in that game had some big defensive plays and was good early um had eight assists but he and, and jalen brown both really struggled and, and kemba walker as well late in that game i mean those three combined to go what 14 of 51 from the field uh, smart and brown alone were two of 19 from three kemba had a really bad turnover late in the game when boston had a chance to to kind of step on the clippers throat so you know all in all i, I think a kind of a more sloppily played game maybe than we expected i think these are still two of the six or seven best teams maybe even higher than that in the league but you know in some ways kind of a win i guess for boston you're on the road it's the Kawhi pg debut game you take them to overtime despite three of your four best players having just you know probably some of the worst nights are going to have all season right this this kind of came down to the celtics missing shots versus the clippers handing the ball over uh celtics had like a 47 percent true shooting percentage which is awful uh clippers gave the ball over 23 times and neither of these teams really shot that many free throws um like it was just a really strong defensive game um which is usually not like what people come to say like hey this was the game of the year yeah a really strong <laughs> defensively played game that was 107 104 in overtime um that's kind of what happened um combined it looks like basically a combined 30 free throws for both these teams uh Tatum and <laughs> Tatum like kind of running the offense with um maybe that's not the right way to put it but with Hayward out you know the the Celtics have kind of had to figure out what to do on the fly and it's tough when Kemba Walker has a bad game. Um, six turnovers to only two assists, four of 17 from the field. So then the ball ends up in the hands of like Tatum and Brown and Smart, who mm-hmm. are like, they're good, but these aren't, they, they aren't like really playmakers. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that the Celtics were even this close with Kemba Walker playing so poorly kind of shows like how good of a team they actually are yep and i think there was reason to be skeptical like i'm still a little skeptical early year early in the year because their schedule has been relatively easy up to this point which is why i think this game was so important uh and for both these teams and why i think it ended up being such a hard-fought game but i think both teams have a lot to prove uh and yeah ended up close in the end yeah i i think boston does kind of seem like they're back to being the boston from two or three years yep. ago um you know not having Kyrie I, I think that that part of it has gone almost exactly like we expected you know we're start Jalen Brown is looking like a completely different player than he was last year Tatum's been a little bit up and down you know he had that one for 18 game last week but he was great I mean he was by far the Celtics best player in this game he had 30 points needed 24 shots to get there you know only got to the line twice um, that's kind of the only criticism you can make and he had a huge game tying three um you know if if there's one highlight you probably saw from this game it was him you know maybe pushing off a little bit but dropping paul george and then splashing in three i saw the Kawhi dunk too yeah which was well since it's Kawhi, it was just such a casual like you know no flex (laughs) no like shout or anything like you just dunked it and turned around and ran back on defense like it was just like it was a you know an uncontested layup um but this was a really fun game and you know i think when you when you look at boston in the overall hierarchy of the east it, it does feel like they're right where 
they should be you know in terms of record they're tied with the bucks at 11 and 3 you have miami at 10 and 3 toronto 10 and 4 philly at philly's at nine and five but they don't feel like they care about the regular season like to me i don't know what it would take for me to back off of philly and milwaukee as their own tier one and two i think boston and toronto and miami probably belongs in this as well but boston and toronto are the two teams that i've been really impressed with um and and certainly look like they're in that in that second tier maybe moving closer to the first tier but when push comes to shove I, i think i would take milwaukee or philly over any of those teams you know relatively handily you know probably not needing six or seven games you know in the series Toronto to me has been the most impressive team maybe in the entire league outside of the Suns I mean definitely in the east the fact that they are 10 and 4 and like their net rating suggests they should be right. 10 and 4 with all the injuries that especially they've they've endured lately it kind of it it made sense early in the season when Lowry was playing 39 minutes and like they were playing seven guys and they were all talented but now the fact that they're able to keep this up is crazy to me like I, yeah. I think it's just a testament to how well coached they are i think this is good uh you know for everyone who says like going to the playoffs matters and getting to the finals matters and that experience counts i think this is this uh, you know provides fuel to that argument mm-hmm. and it provides fuel to the argument that pascal siakam is that good yeah. that he is a potential mvp candidate uh if i mean if the, if the raptors win we might end up talking about this later but like mvp candidates if if they win, you know, if they win 45 games, if they win 47 games, there's the the only reason is going to be Siakam. I mean, if you look yeah. at the absence of talent around him, I mean, obviously Gasol is there and he's fine and Van Vliet is good. I mean, Van Vliet averaging 18 and 8 in two steals. Van is Vliet could insane. be most improved player. Yeah. I, the percentages are so weird with him. Like he's shooting it so well from three, but so badly from two. That, like he's a 39% <laughs> three point shooter and he's a 39% field goal shooter. Um, but he's going to be in the conversation. I mean, right. he's been, you know, you can, I mean, Lowry was, it was good before he got hurt, but it, on the whole, like Van Vliet's been their second best player. I mean, they've been without Lowry for almost half of these games. Um, and I think the other thing with Toronto is all four of their losses are to good teams. They've lost to Dallas, the Clippers, Milwaukee, and Boston. Right. And they're one of only two teams that's beaten the Lakers so far. Like they have good wins. They have good losses. Um, and I think that, you know, that portends well for, for how this is going to go the rest of the way. How many teams too lose, by the end of that run, we were pretty sure that Kawhi Leonard's a top three or four player at worst in the league, sure. you know, depending how you feel about LeBron, KD, you know, Luka maybe belongs in that now, whoever. How many teams lose a guy like that and just keep going? You know, I mean, we've seen it multiple times when LeBron leaves a team, it completely goes in the tank. When Kevin Durant left OKC, pretty noticeable drop-off. You know, yeah. almost, almost any time, um, you, you just don't have someone like Siakam who's willing to, or able to, I should say, you know, his usage rate is up nine points, his turnover rate is down. You know, how, right. how insane is that? I mean, he's averaging more turnovers per game, but on a on a per possession, you know, kind of a responsibility basis, he's committing fewer turnovers. I mean, is the closest comparison the Michael Jordan leaving year? Yeah. I mean, I think they won if I'm if I'm reading this correctly, they won fifty five games that year. Yeah, um, Kevin was awesome. Yeah, and then they won forty seven games the next year. I think that's probably the closest the closest comparison that we have. I think some of that's going to be just I mean, it's it's almost the same situation. It's just institutional stability and experience, and a guy who is quote unquote the second guy um, is ready to step up and is actually you know fifteen percent better than everybody actually thinks he is. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's probably our best comparison. 
Yeah, that is a great one. They have 57 wins um, in the, I guess, the final of their first three-peat. So they, you know, they won the title with 57 wins in 93. Jordan leaves, and they, they've, they go two wins down to 55. Yeah, that, right. That's a really good comparison, honestly. And I think, I think Siakam and Pippen is kind of an interesting parallel long-term. You know, I mean, I, I think Siakam is maybe even a better scorer than Pippen. Pippen probably a better defender. That, that's the thing about Siakam this year. It's just, he hasn't necessarily taken a step forward defensively, at least in terms of numbers. I mean, he's kind of always been a a guy whose contributions show up in the margins, I guess, on defense. Like, he's never been a 1.0 block or steal per game guy. And despite the, you know, the relatively huge hike in minutes, you know, like five a game, he's still not there this year. But, uh, yeah, him and Pippen is a, is a really interesting comp. The scoring, rebounding, and assists all kind of line up. The shooting percentages are actually pretty similar. I think, like you said, the difference is Pippen made seven all-NBA teams, but also ten all-defensive teams. Yeah. I mean, him and Jordan were insane an insane defensive duo I don't think, which i think weirdly gets lost to history yes i would do a whole pod on how michael jordan was in like the best possible situation teammates wise you know i mean he basically played alongside like Kawhi leonard Kawhi leonard light his entire career the, you know, or you know a siakam type his entire career plus having a guy who shoots two times a game but grabs 19 rebounds i mean honestly i think the clippers right now are the closest thing we've had since the jordan pippen bulls to that kind of team Just because you have two two top 10 nba two top 15 nba players when they're, when they're on definitely top 10 and are all defensive guys and then you have just a bunch of amazing mm-hmm. role players. Montrez Harrell is kind of like the Dennis Rodman. Oh yeah, Lou Williams. Kind I don't of even know that the Bulls score. ever had a Lou Williams guy. You I know that don't kind of score. Think so and that's what I I've said all along is what separates the Clippers from the Lakers. Like if you want to say the LeBron Davis duo is better than Kawhi and PG, like I'll hear you out on that. It, it's probably correct, but you know Lou Williams would mean so much to the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean having a guy like that who like last night he was fantastic. I mean, what did he have off the bench? Twenty-seven, twenty-seven, yeah, on twenty-one shots. You know, I mean. Just having that guy as like your kind of fail-safe third option is, is incredible. Let's talk about the value in Daily Fantasy for a minute. The big prizes are attractive, but you have to finish in the top 2% out of thousands of experts to win any real money. So even on your best day, you still feel like you're losing. Now you can play something better, and that is Stat Hero. Stat Hero is a house-based game that combines the best of Daily Fantasy and Survivor Pools. Each Stat Hero contest lasts multiple days, but requires only one entry fee, so your money lasts longer. Yes, you can play multiple days with only one entry fee. Stat Hero gives you smaller contests and more chances to win, and no more competing with sharks or experts ever, because your only competition is Stat Hero itself. You play Stat Hero, you beat Stat Hero, you get paid by Stat Hero. Survive the game and download Stat Hero today and see how the face of Daily Fantasy has changed. Finally, a game designed for the rest of us. Stat Hero, now open for NFL and NBA and available on both iOS and Android. For more information, visit StatHero.com. All right, well, we'll keep this one relatively short today. We're up against it uh, in terms of time, but we'll talk about a few other games from last night, maybe do a little bit of looking ahead tonight. Uh, only a two-game slate on Thursday, right. which is nice because both games are on TV unfortunately one of those games is portland milwaukee which is we'll get to that in a second that yeah. could be that could be an all-timer um <laughs> speaking of all-timers we had one of the biggest most lopsided blowouts i can remember um and in terms of points we've had bigger ones i think the final margin ended up being what 48 was that it um 94 to 42 so yeah 48 point margin could have been much worse i mean dallas I, w- I would say they called off the dogs a little bit, but they put up 68 in the second half. Um, and that's the thing with, with these these Warriors right now, and Draymond Green did not play last night. 
you know, even when you're going up against the B squad for Dallas, you know, like your, your scrubs, essentially, like that's kind of an even matchup, you know, like you're, you're not going to be able to, gain, <laughs> right. but you're not going to be able to outscore them by 15 points in the fourth quarter. Cause it's scrubs against good players. Like it's the entire Warriors roster was basically the maps bench. Yeah, you still have Jalen Brunson, uh, right. like Kaliba's going to be out there. Bobon, Delon Wright, Courtney Lee. Courtney like, Lee hit are, four threes last night. Yeah, broke off is like just like <laughs> knocked down three points here that like never plays. But mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, these. I don't know what more we can say about the Warriors. Pascal was a, a astonishing minus forty three. I think yeah, that's I, awesome. I barely tuned into this game. I think I watched. I was in the middle of watching Bucks Hawks, and that was going to halftime or went to halftime. So I switched over. I believe it was um, Marquise Chris dunked over like three people. Like it was actually one of the most difficult dunks I have ever seen. No one on the Warriors bench stood up. Everyone just sat down, watched it. Draymond got up extremely slowly and just kind of, you know, just kind of (laughs) clapped. And like, but I think he he felt like he had to do it out of like, oh, I'm the vagaring. I'm supposed to like everyone was completely checked out of this game. It was embarrassing to watch even that like that, like three minutes that i did yeah i think uh i think it's pretty clear that they've kind of accepted their fate at this point that's okay right? i mean there was there was never a great chance of this happening but for a little bit there you know they after after stuff went down they got a couple of wins you know they beat portland in a game that it seemed like they were going to get blown out you know everybody i think portland was a double digit favorite and you're like okay you know if if russell's scoring like this if draymond really brings it you know maybe they can you know catch some magic but that's I mean, they're the worst team in the league by record. They're th- they're three and thirteen, and it's not even close. I mean, you look at like simple rating system, which takes into account point differential, yep. strength of schedule. You know, it's just kind of an overarching rating. And when you look at those numbers, everything checks out. The Bucks are number one. The Lakers are number two. Toronto's number three. Golden State is at minus ten point oh three, which you know maybe that number doesn't mean all that much on the surface, but they are significantly worse than the second worst team, which is Memphis, you know, they're at minus 8.8. I mean, that's, and then, you know, the third worst team in the West is San Antonio at minus 3.8. So like there's a, there's a huge gap between like the Spurs and the Grizzlies and then a huge gap between the Grizzlies and the Warriors who are, I mean, this, this could end up being like an all time bad season. And like, do you even bother bringing Steph back at this point? Like I I just can't even imagine that they're going to be in any sort of position to, to even talk themselves into a possible playoff berth not that you even want that at this point as a franchise the last so last year the worst team by simple rating system was the cavaliers mm-hmm. with minus 9.4 so if you, t- if you took last year's cavaliers against this year's warriors the Cavs would actually be favored on yeah. a neutral court um but i if <laughs> i i think if there's a way to this would never happen if you could just play steph during home games okay and just be like this is for the crowd. This is for the new arena. Uh, staff go out there, play 30 minutes, just chuck up, Yeah, I don't know, like 18 three-pointers. It does suck that we were kind of robbed of that. Like, it, oh, that's the worst part. Right. They weren't going to do anything, but it, we were going to get some awesome Steph games at some point. Yeah, and that's why I think I think that's – it's weird because on one hand, yeah, we were all extremely excited, hoping that Steph could go for another MVP yep. or you know score 40 points a game. Uh I, we could have actually had two people score 40 points a game this year yeah theoretically yeah, we, he never really had a, a true chance at it but um, it's weird because they're so bad that i just kind of don't acknowledge them anymore mm-hmm. like I, like i would do with like the knicks or the cavaliers from last year yeah. where it's like you know players are out players are in i completely missed 
you know, the other day Draymond was back after an absence. That news completely went by yeah. with no – I got no notification on my phone. Like nothing was going on. Um, so it's weird having that like large absence where yeah. even losing Steph – well, especially with how big of a story they've been for the last six years, you know, like it, right, it does feel now. like this should be a bigger deal, you know, and because <laughs> all those guys are still on the team. You know, it was one thing when LeBron <laughs> left, Cle- when LeBron left Cleveland and they became like a 16 win team, you're like, whatever, like we don't care what Larry Nance and Colin Sexton are up to, but all these guys are still on the roster. And I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of saved them from some criticism because even b- before Steph got hurt, it didn't look like this was going to be a very good team. And I think it would be a much different story. You know, they wouldn't be three and 13 with Steph. But no. they probably wouldn't, you know, they'd be hovering around 500. And I think that would probably bring with it some more criticism that that they're probably being saved from now. And the D'Angelo Russell signing was one of the most interesting signings in a long time. Yep. And now it does not seem interesting at all. I mean, now the only reason it's interesting is are they going to try to trade him for whoever, which was the thing the whole time. But we're not even going to see the Warriors yep. with D'Angelo Russell. I think the, the more important part of this game was uh, Doncic's 35-point. 11 assists, 10 rebound, triple double yep. in 25 minutes, which is the least playing time in NBA history by Ridiculous. a player to produce a 30 point triple double. Um, I wanted to bring up, so he's, let's assume he averages a triple double this year. Right now he's averaging 29.9 points, 10.6 rebounds, 9.4 assists, 34 minutes. During Westbrook's MVP season, where he averaged a triple double and was awarded an MVP essentially because of that, OKC had 47 wins. Their expected wins were actually 43. They were 10th in simple rating system. Right now, the Mavericks are actually better than that in terms of simple rating system. Eighth. Um, do you, if Doncic averages a 30 point triple double and the Mavs win 47 games, does Doncic have to win the MVP? He doesn't have to because we've seen. Russell Westbrook average multiple triple doubles and not win the MVP. I think in, in some ways it almost, you know, it kind of devalued the triple double in a way that I think when, when, when he averaged a triple double the first time, it, you had to give him the MVP, right? Because we just hadn't seen this. It was such an insane, you know, Oscar Robertson, which especially in my mind, like I know Oscar Robertson didn't play that long ago, but that's that was almost kind of like a Babe Ruthian type of record, sure. you know? Like never, never did I imagine that someone you know like if you would ask me 10 years ago somebody going to average a triple double this decade i'd be like no of course not like no one's really come that close before westbrook um and now i I do think it's been a little bit devalued i mean lebron is probably not going to get there in terms of rebounds but he'll he'll be relatively close towards the end um so i don't think he has to get it but i mean if you do the math right now dallas is on a 53 win pace so i think for now you know, there's just a hesitancy in general to give the MVP to a second-year player, a, a guy who's not going to turn 21 sure. until after the All-Star break. I think that's part of it. But if we get to March and Dallas is, you know, maybe they go on a run and it looks like they might win like 55 games, I think it's going to heat up at that point, right? I mean, for sure. I think, it, I think for him, he might almost need a little bit of help. Like Giannis, I, I think, is kind of the incumbent and it's his award to lose. So maybe yeah. if he misses a month with an injury or the Bucks go through a slump or whatever it might be. Um, I, th- I think he kind of needs Giannis to take a step back, but we've seen things like that happen in the past. Like he's for sure going to be in the mix, especially if they become a 50 plus win team. Do you think that he, do you think that Doncic would win the MVP in that scenario had Westbrook not done it? Like if, if think, Doncic, if Doncic was, if Doncic did it this year and Westbrook had not done it, I mean, I, then yes, I, I would say, yeah, because I think, I think yeah, there would be that narrative and then there would be the this guy's 21 narrative, right. you know, where it would be like almost kind of like a Mahomes type of thing. Sure. Where it, it did feel like last year, 
it was like I think it was Drew Brees was like kind of the number two guy for the whole year, and then Mahomes just like by the end of the year, you looked at the numbers and you're like, we can't not give it to this guy. Like right. maybe he hasn't really quote unquote paid his dues or earned it, um, but he was just so ridiculous despite the fact that he was inexperienced. Um, you know, you had to give him the MVP, and I think that's kind of how that would go down. Sure, with Giannis or LeBron maybe representing the Breeze in that scenario. Yeah, um, he's going to be right there. I mean. I think, like I said, with Giannis, he's at 30 and a half points, 14 rebounds, six assists, one and a half steals, 1.4 blocks, still playing. He's playing the exact same minutes load as last season, 32.8. Um, you know, I think if, he, if he's on pace to, you know, average three more points per game and then basically do exactly the same in every other category, you know, maybe a little bit higher in rebounds. There's just so much all around production there. It, it would be it would be close. You know, I think Doncic would maybe have the narrative, you know, because Giannis won it last year, maybe there'd be some voter fatigue, but I think with him being so good on both ends, like it's just hard to mount an argument for why Giannis, especially if the Bucks win 61 games, like why it wouldn't be him again. This is kind of an off the cuff question when I was thinking about it. We, so do you think we already have, like, if we're talking about like all decade teams, you know, we kind of have the Jordan, the Jordan bird magic, um, you know, from, from the eighties and, the 90s and then you get uh you kind of get into the shack duncan territory in the 2000s do we already know who the 2020 team is is it Giannis? like going Doncic? for the next decade or yeah for, for 20 decade? for 2020 to 2023 do we already is this already almost set in stone with Giannis and Doncic already being so dominant that if there are three guys from every decade those are definitely two of them and then i don't know if harden's last decade or this decade. i mean it's hard to project um you know, for the next 10 years. But sure. I mean, for sure, I think Giannis, Doncic, Harden is tough because he he kind of came into his own midway through this current decade. Right. And he'll probably phase out midway through the next decade. So like, it, I mean, for all decade purposes, which is like a completely made up thing, it, it's just doesn't really play well for him. Whereas sure. like for this past decade, like KD came into his own right at the perfect time. He had, you know, b- before this Achilles injury, basically a full 10 years, his entire prime took place in this decade. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, where I think LeBron was kind of in a similar situation to Harden, where like he really became LeBron in like '05, yeah. Um, and he's you know on the official All Decade team, he was he was first team for the previous decade and uh, this current decade. Right. Which, for the record, they I think they released this not that long ago, like in August. It was LeBron, Curry, Kawhi, KD, and Harden for the past decade. Right. Which just, I, I think is correct. Yeah, I'm just saying if you had to pick three guys, three, I mean, yeah, I mean because Youngest is only 25. Right. And Doncic is twenty, so he feels like he's a lock. I think Towns is a candidate. Towns think, is a guy. If you're going by like points per game, Towns I think is Davis. up there. Um, yeah, and AD. If AD and LeBron, if this kind of works out for the next um, yeah. three years, he's in there. I mean, AD, I think for sure is. I mean, even if this doesn't work out, like the numbers are going to be ridiculous. Um, I mean, Trey Young will have a chance. Um, I think Embiid Simmons. Maybe we answer the question that if we think that Giannis and Doncic are already locks, yeah, which I think is crazy to me. Yeah, like, if they stay healthy, I mean, of course they are. Yeah, that they're that they're this good already. Right, the league's in a great spot. I mean, for that type of thing, when you start to look five, ten years in advance, I mean, every almost every franchise has a guy that you could conceivably make a case for. Maybe not first team all decade, but you know, somebody who could be on the periphery for the third team. Um, I mean, if you look at if you look at the third team for the past decade, you're talking Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, Paul George, LaMarcus Aldridge, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And it's like, it's kind of hard to argue with any of those, but like, that's what, like LaMarcus Aldridge was never really an MVP candidate, you know, never like a 
absolute lock all-star, you know, never he somebody, there. never like, a top 10. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm saying is like, you don't have to be like, not everybody has to be honest to make an all decade team, you know, sure. like somebody even like Devin Booker, like he's probably in that category. You could you be know, Jason Tatum going forward. Um, and who knows? I mean, we're part of it too, is we'll get, you know, they're just going to keep more talents going to keep flexing into the league these next couple of years. Um, I don't want to talk any more about the Warriors, but I, I cannot wait until it, no matter how strong or weak every draft class is, it seems like people make up their minds early, whether it's a good or a bad class. And oftentimes it ends up being the complete opposite. Like sure. think of how great the Lonzo class was supposed to be. And I mean, that was an all time. We're comparing it to the 96 class. The top two picks have both been just like God awful so far <laughs> in Lonzo and Fultz and Josh Jackson's been a, probably worse than that. Um, eventually someone's going to emerge maybe not as a zion davis type of prospect but somebody's going to emerge as an you know a number one guy somebody obviously has to go number one whether it's anthony edwards whether it's james wiseman uh there's some guys at washington lamello rj hampton like when the who are the warriors going to draft talk heats up is when i really cannot wait to see where that goes because i mean this this does definitely does have spurs duncan type of potential it kind of does and you'd be getting when they got Duncan, they were, you know, David Robinson was pretty old at that point. Like, he was not yeah. at the point in his career where Steph Clay and Draymond are. No. Or D'Angelo Russell, too, who's like, you know, whether you want to keep him and he just becomes like a microwave scorer or is it a pr- still a pretty good trade chip, I think, uh, on that contract. Like, they are in, they're going to be in a great, great spot provided they hit on that pick. And even if they don't, like, once all those guys are healthy, they'll still be a pretty good team. Fantasy basketball fans, the NBA regular season is in full swing, and FanDuel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy basketball no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel has something for everyone, tons of different contests and formats to choose from, and these contests start at just $0.25 per entry. All you have to do is pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. You can play against your friends for bragging rights, or you can play against the public for millions of dollars in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new FanDuel users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. That's FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with that first deposit on FanDuel. That'll get you access to our DFS lineup optimizers, premium articles, draft software, everything you need to win your leagues this season. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. Okay, we can hit on a couple quick things before we get out of here. Nuggets took down the Rockets last night, mm-hmm. ending their eight-game winning streak. Um, I mean, if you look at the teams the Rockets were beating, not not a ton of impressive wins during no. that streak, but still, I mean, a, a, a eight-game win streak in the NBA is still means something. Um, do you want to talk Westbrook, Harden, that dynamic? A little bit. I Westbrook, he has a. It's not. It's not the end-all, be-all. But he has a minus-four net rating this season. I'm starting to think that Harden should not have a second star next to him like a Chris Paul, like a Russell Westbrook. I don't I think you should abandon that mentality. I don't know if I don't know if it's feasible to pull the plug on that because how tradable is Westbrook for quote unquote pieces? I mean there might be a I think you could I, trade him for a bunch of mediocre pieces. Yeah. I mean the question is who who wants Westbrook? I haven't thought about that hard, but I'm sure there'd be a team out there that would be willing to me, like Chicago me, or something like that. What if be, you send him to Orlando for like Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier and <laughs> Phil Mobamba, you know, something like yeah. that? Aaron Aaron Gordon could come too. I don't sure. know. I was actually I was listening to the pod that you and James did, and I was thinking about a straight up basically Aaron Gordon for uh, Demar Derozan swap, which I don't know if you guys touched on that directly. No, we talked about both those guys separately, but I don't think for each other. No, that would be because you would, I would I, love Aaron Gordon in San Antonio. The Magic would actually get a ball handler 
a, re- a reliable ball handler and scorer because they can't score the ball. So they would, yeah. get, they would fix they that problem. They also can't shoot threes, though. That's the problem. Not that Aaron Gordon is lighting the nets on fire, but like DeRozan's taken four threes this year. Sure. You're just doubling down on not shooting threes. But you would, I, would, I would have him be like the point guard if I was yeah, the Well, Magic. they have Fultz, so they don't need a point guard. <laughs> no, I don't hate uh, that idea, though. But, yeah, so I looked at the past three years of, including this season, of Harden's best um basically like two-man combination that includes Harden this year it's Ben McLemore I oh I don't yeah okay. last season it was Daniel House and the season before that was Bob Mute I mean it's never been the second star and there's going to be some noise in those numbers and whatnot but I just what Harden's doing is so ridiculous uh just from a usage and volume perspective that I I think I'm I think I'm just pretty convinced now that he just should be the one of those stars that is on his own almost like a Giannis I think I think LeBron was at that point too where we've seen him and even the the partnership with him and Davis has been very my turn your turn I don't know how much you've watched the Lakers but he I think his best like regular seasons when they've won 60 plus games have come with the ragtag supporting cast where he just does everything and doesn't have to worry about deferring right and I think I think there is a pressure to get a second star because hey what if LeBron goes down or what if Harden goes down? Or what do we do when that player isn't on the court? But you're, I mean, if that player's out, you're not going to win anything. Right. You're better no off what? losing every game possible when that player's not around because, I mean, obviously, you know, if they miss 20 games and it's like, could they be healthy for the playoffs? That's going to be an issue. But mm-hmm. I just, uh, I think there are just certain players who it's way better to distribute higher level role, t- role player talent around them. Mm hmm. And it's just weird to me that we have not seen that from from yeah. Harden, given what he's doing. I do wonder if maybe that's the next iteration of the Maury Rockets. You know, they've tried so many different versions. And, you know, I think as a superstar, you probably like the thought of having another guy makes a lot of sense. But yeah, sure. I, I think you could also argue that like Harden's never had the right guy for him by any means. I think he's had like the wrong guy and they've just still made it work because he's so good. But yeah, I would I would love to see a team go all in on really good role players like you know the rockets maybe aren't in a position like you can't get that much for westbrook but like the bucks i guess in some ways have kind of done that you've just built a team of super role players around Giannis, guys who guys who will willingly know that they have to defer to Giannis. i think that's where teams run into problems is you know if 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 lebron takes too many shots kyrie starts pouting or kevin loves not getting involved or russell westbrook and harden have overlapping skill sets you know like if you have a one through 12 roster where every single person knows their exact role and they're good in that role there's a pretty strong argument historically to be made that that can work better than the two star model. It's almost like a souped up version of what the Heat are doing, where the yeah. Heat have like Jimmy Butler and right. then just like a bunch of dudes. Yeah, and I think Harden is kind of the perfect guy for that experiment because you're just you're kind of building a drive and kick system where like yeah, no one drives and kicks like James Harden, and they've done a good job of picking these guys up off the scrap heap. Macklemore, like you mentioned, like Austin Rivers has given them some pretty good minutes. Daniel House is actually, I think he's really good. And I I know you like him too. Like he's awesome. But I mean, we're talking about guys who are basically G leaguers, you know, Ben Macklemore was just like on the street last year. Imagine, you know, pairing, you know, a Robert Covington who was actually, I think in their system back in the day and he was, he was the Vipers. Yeah. yeah. Um, You know, if you, if you could, yeah, if you just kind of sacrifice your chase for stars and distribute that money elsewhere, We've seen teams do that kind of by accident, I guess, but it doesn't seem like a team's ever really taken that course as like a, this is our five-year plan. Yeah, I'm sure if we did a deep dive, we'd find one team that, like, it's definitely a LeBron style. Because the guy, the guy, 
has to have like a 35 to 40% usage rate because it, yeah, the, the system that you build is the player. It's built right. around the player and it almost has to be a driving kick or a, a dominant post-up player, which we don't see that much anymore, yeah. which is, I think kind of the weird part about like the, um, like the, I think that's the, the inherent problem with the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid dynamic is theoretically you have a Embiid who you would build an entire system around as being a dominant post-up player, yeah. like the magic did with Dwight back in the day. Um, or you would build around Simmons' drive and kick ability and transition dominance, and those two things are not meshing um, as some people, as much as some people would like them to. So, I think, um, like even, I mean, Harden. I don't know. It's kind of actually hard to separate how good Clint Capella is from how good of like a lob passer Harden is. Yeah. So I don't know if if Capella is like a good enough second guy. Like yeah. if you got rid of Westbrook and distributed into like shooters, mm-hmm. but. We'll do that. We'll have to do that sometime. That, that's maybe an article we can like design the ideal eight man roster around, around James Harden, James Harden. Like, given given constraints. Yeah, you know, yeah. Obviously, it'd be great to throw Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, you know, Joel Embiid, and LeBron around him. But like you said, I, there's case to be made that role players work better with like especially those like uber ball dominant guys. Right. Um, ben Simmons hit a three. I know we we don't really want to talk about that too much. It's it happened. Sad out of nowhere i kind of wish there was more fanfare like, i wish there would have been a report from like keith pompey i was like <laughs> rumor has it ben simmons is going to shoot a three tonight and there would be the same like, he <laughs> caught everybody up. off guard you know like I, I watched the clip so many times like with the sound turned all the way up and you don't even hear a swell in the arena until the ball goes in because people were so caught off guard like he's caught the ball in the corner 300 times this season and just dribbled out of it usually <laughs> no hesitation it was even contested a little bit by mitchell robinson you know the contester of shots and yeah, I mean, I, I still am not convinced that this is going to become a nightly thing. Like, I would take the over on two weeks until his next major. Sure. Like, he may, this kind of bought him another month, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a night to say for the people that were in the arena to say I you know. were there when when your starting point guard and former number one overall pick hit a three pointer. I like your comparison that the crowd just like was not prepared. No, and then they they kind of realized afterward uh what was going on it, it reminded me when you when you said that the first thing that i thought of was there's a vince carter dunk where he just kind of gets past the ball in the middle of the lane and he kind of just does a standing still off two feet windmill in traffic yep and what would you even if you were you would never you would think he was gonna lay the ball up yep and you just absolutely lose it but it's ben simmons hitting a corner three this is what we're comparing it to like all-time great in-game dunk versus <laughs> player hits <laughs> corner hits open corner three it's in in my it is the same shock level yeah which is insane to me and even if you the thing is even if you this has been the issue the whole time you look at the you know someone got a very good picture shout out to the photographer i don't know the name who got a great picture mid shot of the form and his shooting elbow is still farther out Terrible. than the the support hand is the one that's got the straight elbow, and the shooting one is the one that's off to the side. It it literally looks like, I mean, you know, it literally looks like he's shooting tr- someone trying to shoot with the with the wrong hand, which is the joke yep. and the thing that and also not partially a joke convinced that it's real. Yeah, I'm very convinced. It looks it's like real. someone intentionally trying to do yeah. that. If Philly has any sense of humor, they'll put a statue of that, like the shot outside the <laughs> arena. Like, that would actually be great. Um, so you you have noted here for some reason in ultra bold font, Jan, Jan Mahimi went through practice. <laughs> that's a uh, that's kind of just an ode to like a slow news day. Yeah, um, it really has been. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll close out with just a little bit of Blazers Bucks, and then we got Pelicans Suns as the night game tonight. Oof. Which the Pelicans are getting some guys back. Lonzo's going to be back tonight, so they'll they'll become a little more watchable. But 
I mean, I, <clears throat> I contend the Pelicans are a fun team. Like, I think oh, yeah. when they're so healthy. Are the, so are the Suns, too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't necessarily translated to wins, and they're going to get significantly more fun when Zion is back, hopefully next month. But Blazers-Bucks, this is going to be... This is going to be a game. Um, Hassan Whiteside did not go through shoot-around, so decent chance he's not out there. Lillard's already been ruled out. Melo's locked into the starting lineup. Um, I mean, this is... I don't know. Sometimes, like, you know, games like this where you, it just looks so lopsided, you know, one team ends up, you know, kind of getting it together and, and making it a, a little bit closer than it should be. But, I mean, this was one where I would not be surprised if we look up and it's, like, end of the first quarter, Milwaukee 41, Portland 16. Yeah, I don't know what you do about this game from a from a betting perspective. We have the the round table that comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and pretty much everyone is taking the bucks or some form of like, you know, I think James took like Giannis over assists and whatever. And I don't know what you would do with this number if you were Vegas. I mean, they have it. They started it at eleven and a half in favor of the Bucks, and it's moved up to thirteen. And you know, I think in in kind of like a neutral situation. Like, I would want to bet the Blazers here. Like, I would want to take the double-digit underdog with the Bucks coming back home from Atlanta. It's the second half of a back-to-back. Like, this should be a situation where the Bucks don't cover, theoretically, or it's a bad spot to bet the Bucks. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't... It's... To, to pull the trigger on that is almost impossible. Just because of, like you said, the situation where Melo did not look good. No, he did not. Um, I love that ESPN sent out an alert saying Mello drops ten points, four <laughs> rebounds in debut. Like that was not the story by any means. Oh man, uh, Mello has worse game than Daniel House has had all yeah. season. I do. I, I do worry, and I noted this in our article too that maybe there's you know the fact that it opened so low. You know, this is in Milwaukee, eleven and a half. Like maybe there there's a belief that if if Giannis was going to rest a game, this would be the game. Right, and I'm I'm working on like I'm I've been kind of looking through different ways to in an article that might end up going up kind of like what happens if you just bet all of the quote unquote advantageous situations. Like if you just bet against teams that are on back to backs or like teams that are coming off, if you bet four teams that are coming off losses against teams that are coming off wins, like stuff like that. And this is a situation where you want blazers, but like, yeah, maybe youngest rest, maybe, I mean, it has all the feelings of like a trap game, but when you actually dive deep into literally what is happening, I mean, like you said, this could be a game. This could this could end up very close to what we saw from Warriors mm-hmm. Mavericks, uh, and it it wouldn't be surprising. Yes, the Blazers have have fallen on hard times. They, they beat they the Spurs are, though three games. They did. Ago. They are they are teetering on the edge here. If if Lillard ends up missing more time, that's what I said to James yesterday. Like if he misses, um, I if, guess that was Tuesday. If he misses two more weeks, you know, like this could end up getting really ugly and you know, they could kind of end up being a seller a lot sooner. I think than people thought they could easily, I mean, they're five and 10 right now. I mean, them can, them going five and 15 is pretty on that's on the table. If oh, Lillard sure. is out, even if he's not, even if he's not, they could lose, you know, assuming they lose tonight, they'd be five and 11. They could lose four more in a row, even if yep. Lillard's there very conceivably. And then at that point, They've taken some bad losses. Um, the nice thing for them, though, so they play at Milwaukee tonight. They continue this uh, Eastern Conference road trip at Cleveland Saturday at Chicago Monday. So two very winnable games. But if you lose, if you lose one or both of those, you know that's a, a big, big red flag. I think. Yeah. All right. I know you got to get out of here. We'll wrap this thing up. Um, are you doing the pod tomorrow with Shannon and Ken? Yeah, I think Ken's around. I'm definitely doing it with Shannon at the very okay. least. <laughs> all right. I think Ken is back from his Dominican adventure wherever he was. <laughs> Uh, All right, well, talk to you guys then.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.